0: But the message today is a little bit heavier, honestly, because I think something that many of us struggle with in life, and I'll be honest, this is a heavy message for me this morning. I told our team, I said, guys, I am feeling just so heavy today because this is a hard message to preach because it's uh, the title of it is when the miracle doesn't come. Like what happens when it doesn't happen, Right. I think all of us have been in a situation like this before, right? When, when maybe, a, for example, a family member gets a cancer diagnosis, and what do you do? Immediately, we pray, right? That's the first thing we do is we, we come to God and we say, God, will you heal this person? God, I know you can do it. I believe that you can do it. And we pray and we pray and we pray. We cry out to God for help, believing that he can actually do that and he can heal this person of cancer. He can do it. We've seen it before, right? And maybe after days and, and after weeks and, and months, sometimes even years of prayer for any situation, for let's say for this situation, you know, They die. And it's like, whoa, God, where, where were you, right? You ever thought that before? You ever felt that before? God, where were you? I, I was crying out to you. I was praying and I, I was seeking after you. God, I had faith. I had this faith that you asked me to have. I had this, this radical faith and I was really believing that you were going to come through. Why did a miracle happen in this family, but not in mine? Why did it happen for this person, but but not for me? Or maybe why did it happen then, but it didn't happen now? Just God, why did this not happen? So what do we do when the miracle doesn't come? How do we respond when it doesn't go the way that we had hoped that it would go? And I have a few things for us today to look at, and, and uh, the first one, if you're going to take notes today, it won't be up on the screens. I just wanted to kind of just talk to you guys today, kind of a little conversational style, but sometimes the answer is not yet. When you're praying, and I think many times we'll be praying in this season, and we're praying and praying and praying and praying, and it just feels like the answer is just not yet i don't know if you uh, have kids or not but you you can probably relate to this one way or the other uh, let's say you know you're a parent and you have a daughter who's who's 14 years old let's say okay and she has been asking you know, dad, I really want to, I really want to date this guy. Like, you know, he's so sweet. He's so cool. You know, like he's amazing. You know, he's come over and like, you know him. Like we've been going to school for a long time. He's a really nice guy. Like dad, can I please go out on a date with this guy? And then the dad, maybe some of you say, Hey, listen, no, just not yet, honey. And she's like, well, why dad, you know, come on dad. I just really want to like, why are you being so mean? Why are you so the worst? Ah, you know, they like go and lock themselves in their room and then they're like texting their friends and everything. Just like my dad sucks. You know? (laughs) like... And then you as the dad and, you know, the mom, whatever, you're just like, you know, like just not yet, not yet, honey. And the reason is, is because we have, we think that there's something better for you around the corner. Not necessarily there's anything wrong with this guy, but the answer is no for now. Okay. It might be in a few years. Okay. When you turn 16, honey, whatever it is, the rule that you have at your house, whatever it might be. Okay. Uh, in a couple of years, you'll be able to, because I feel like that that's going to be a better thing. It's going to set you up better for your life. And so the answer is just no not right now well it kind of reminds me the story of Lazarus okay Lazarus was an amazing man obviously we know uh, Jesus cared for him very very greatly all right and so Lazarus the, the word comes to Jesus that he was very sick he was probably going to die. All right. And so this word comes to him and then Jesus says, you know what? Hey, like we're going to hold on. We're not going to go see him yet. And the the disciples are like, I feel like we need to go see him because it's obviously not looking good. Okay. He's very, very sick. I think you need to go, Jesus. And they knew at this point that he had the power to heal and the power to to do all this stuff. And so they were like, come on, Jesus, like, let's go. And he said, no, we're not going to go yet. And then they start to head off, and Jesus says, okay, now the, now's the time. We need to go ahead and go. And he said, Lazarus has died. And, and they're like, whoa, like he's dead? <laughs> like what in the world? They thought that he was saying that the, he said that he's asleep and he needs to wake up. And they thought he was saying like, yeah, okay, he's asleep. He'll wake up just like the rest of us. He's like, they didn't understand that, that he was saying that he had died. So they start going on this journey back to where Lazarus was. And then the family is there. And then Jesus comes to find out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He'd been dead for four days now. And he gets there, and then the family is coming up to him. And then, and then both of the, the women, Mary and Martha, they both say, if you had have been here, my brother would not have died. That's what one of them says. If you, if you would have been here, he would have not had died. I believe that you could, you could have healed him. I know that you could have. So why weren't you here? You kind of hear a little bit of that, like, frustration maybe in it a little bit, and, and she's just being honest, you know, she's saying, like, if you were here, I believe that he'd still be alive right now, kind of just like, like, why weren't you, though? You didn't kind of read between the lines a little bit in that and kind of get that vibe in this story. And um, Jesus ends up saying that there's something that needed to happen in order for God to be glorified, right? And, and it, it reminds me of a time when I had to wait on God, okay? I don't know if you have ever had to wait on God before, but sometimes it can get really, really frustrating. There, I don't know if I've actually ever told this story in, in Radical yet. I just told it yesterday to some, some college students, uh, but I was a, uh, I think I was probably about 23, 24, and it was 2015, and there was a church in San Antonio. Uh, I had just met my wife, who was was basically, we had just started to date, okay? And I had met her at this youth camp, and I was the worship leader, and so, you know, I was all like, what's up, you know, I'm the worship leader, hey, how you doing? You know what I mean? So, (laughs) (laughs) Worship leaders are divas. I mean, Pastor Tim, I don't know about you, but I'm, (laughs) I'm just kidding, anyway. So uh, I had just met her, okay, and her youth pastor set us up, and it was kind of funny actually how he set us up. I don't know if I've told this story either. I'll just go ahead and tell this part too, but, but he basically showed me a picture, him and his wife showed me a picture of Lindsay, and he was like, hey, like, do, you have a, do you have a Mrs. Trevor or anything like that? And he showed me a picture of Lindsay, and I was like, yes, please, can I meet this girl? Because no, I do not have anybody. I am very, very single, all right? So uh, I ended up going to meet her, and then they invite me back the next week to come lead worship and to preach. For their youth. And they said, Hey, you can stay at our house. Okay, these youth pastors, I had never met them before. I mean, they seemed kind of cool, but, you know, I was young and dumb. I just didn't really care, you know? So I was like, whatever, I'll, I'm a friendly guy, I'll go hang out with them. And so I stayed at their house for three days. I came on a Sunday, I drove up on Sunday morning from Austin to Fort Worth and went to church at this church I had never been to before with this girl that I had only known for a week. I'd only hung out with one time on the last day of youth camp, all right? And I meet her parents, I meet her brother, like first day, I'm really actually a full day of hanging out with this girl. I'm meeting her entire family, her church, like all of the students, everything, okay? Then we went on a date, we watched Ant-Man. That's when Ant-Man had just came out. We went to go see Ant-Man with her brother. That was our first date. And, uh, but then Monday rolls around and we had been hanging out all day and I'd stayed with the, you know, the youth pastors and I was really feeling good about this whole thing with Lindsay. And so we drove out to the lake in the evening and, and, uh, we drove out to the lake and sat there and I basically told her, I said, Hey, listen, uh, I don't know where you're what you're feeling about this or not but but, but I'm really feeling like this is a thing. Like I'm feeling I'm feeling good about this. I'd known it for a week, okay? Like I was like I'm really feeling good about this. I feel like we should date. I feel like we should be together. And she sat silent, just about silent for almost an hour and a half. <laughs> I am not kidding, guys. I am not kidding. And when you hear her tell her side of the story now, she's probably, she's standing back there just like, I need to tell my story about this, okay? When you hear hear her side of the story, it's so funny because she's like, I didn't know anything about you. Like, you could have been a creep, you know? Like, I knew you were a worship leader, but that doesn't mean anything, let's be real, you know? Like, you could have been a creeper just trying to get with me, and she's like, I didn't know you at all, so I just didn't know what to do. But uh, I eventually convinced her, okay, that that the Lord's will was here, all right? It was in this relationship that she should trust me. Okay. And we got together. All right. And that was it. We had known each other for a week. So, uh, I go back home. I, I preached at the youth group, hung out with them, uh, led worship for them, went back home and I'm in, I'm in Kyle. So I moved, I went back here. My parents live right around the corner. So I was living with them at the time doing the whole back and forth from college thing. And I knew Lindsay was about to go back to college in, uh, Edmond, which is just North of Oklahoma city well, there was a church in San Antonio that had kind of reached out and I'd kind of got this connection. It is a massive church. It's an amazing church in San Antonio. And I had interviewed for a job for the middle school pastor position. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a church of like, I don't know, it was like fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 or something like that at the time, probably. I mean, there's like 200 middle school students. I mean, it's as many people as we have here today in middle schoolers, which is terrifying. All right. So, woo, Lord help me. So, I interviewed for this position is great they were going to offer it to me okay it was it was you know salary benefits all this stuff like a young man is just like yes like this is amazing this is what I've always wanted like I've been faithful God you're good thank you Jesus you know like I'm I'm so excited about this thing but but then in the back of my mind I'm thinking like what do I do about this whole Lindsay situation that I just convinced her to date me? She's about to go back to school at the end of the summer to Oklahoma. I'm going to be moving to San Antonio. That's, we're both going, we're going the wrong way, okay? We're going opposite directions of each other. That's not going to be good. And so I really felt in my spirit that I needed to pray and I needed to ask God, Okay, what am I doing here? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't really know. And so I just kind of waited on God. I waited and I prayed. And then about a week later, I got a call from my buddy, Joseph Kelly, who uh, was a college buddy of mine. And he said, hey, I just wanted to ask, you know, me and Bryce, another college buddy of mine, we've been in a band together. He said, uh, we've been following you on social media and seeing everything you've been doing at these youth camps and all that, and you know, all the creative and, and worship and all that stuff. And he said, uh, would you consider maybe coming up to work with us up here in Oklahoma? And I was like, I mean, maybe. <laughs> and I said, I have one question for you. I said, how far away is Oklahoma City and Oklahoma Christian University from Yukon, Oklahoma, where you guys are at? He said, about 15, 20 minutes, why? And I was like, I'll be there next week. <laughs> And uh, I kid you not, I met Lindsey, I finished youth camps, met Lindsey, got the call from Joseph, moved to Oklahoma and had a job within about a two and a half week, three week period. Right, babe? It was all so, so fast. But I had this opportunity in San Antonio that really looked great, right? It was a great opportunity. I could have just taken that job and said yes to that immediately, moved to San Antonio, but then I might have been missing out on something much, much better, and it is spelled L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y. Come on, people. Yes, Lord. Come on now. Sometimes I think God will have us sacrifice a good thing for a great thing. He'll have you sacrifice a good thing for a God thing. But a lot of times it's hard to figure out in the middle of it, what is the good thing or the great thing or the God thing? And it's just so confusing. And I think what God asks us to do many times is just to wait, just wait on him. And during that season of waiting, find some purpose in that thing. There is a lot of purpose in your waiting season. If you will just sit and consecrate yourself to God, say, you know what? This is what's most important. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, relationally with jobs or anything. I don't know what's going on here, but God, I'm just gonna make sure that I take care of this relationship right here, and I believe that everything else is gonna take care of itself, because in your perfect timing, you're gonna reveal what I'm supposed to do. So many times, I think God asks us to wait, and many times, he'll say the answer is just not yet. It's not that it's never going to happen, but it's just not yet. For me, one dream had to die so that the right dream could come to life. So I'm going to ask you, maybe is there a dream in your life or there's something in your life that maybe you need to to kill, something that needs to be cut off, okay? Something that needs to, to, to not be a thing anymore so that God can give you the right dream. Many times we hold on to these things, to the opportunities that look really, really good, But God has something so, so much better for us. That church was huge. I mean, it was like 20,000 people. It would have been a great gig. You know, I would have got to do all kinds of fun things. And I went to a church of about 500. But you know what happened right after I moved up there is... The, the church went through a massive, the one in San Antonio went through a massive transition, a massive transition. And a lot of people had to get laid off in the middle of that transition so that they could pay off a lot of debt and all this stuff. And to be honest, if I would have been one of the people that had just come on within like the last six months, who would have probably got laid off? This guy. Okay. Like, let's be real. Like, I, I would have just gotten there, probably would not have been a thing where I was going to be sticking around if I'm being real. So I might have dodged that and God was able to give me an amazing wife. We ended up moving within a day of each other. I moved to go to my job and she moved back to go to school. We dated the whole year and then uh, we got engaged at the end of the school year. She went back to Fort Worth with her family over the summer while we were engaged. And then we got married to the exact day that we met, July 23rd, the year before we had met. And July 23rd, we got married the next year. So look at God, people. Come on now. So um, that's what God can do for you. Sometimes the answer is just not yet, not yet. But sometimes the miracle isn't even for you. Sometimes the promise that God gives you is not actually even for you in the first place. And when I think about this, I, I think about Moses, right? The story of Moses is incredible. He, he goes to this, this burning bush after being kind of, you know, exiled from, from, his, uh, from Egypt. And he goes to this burning bush and God speaks to him through it. It's this amazing miracle that happens and God is speaking to him so clearly. And then he he goes back, and you know the story, okay? He he has the ten plagues happen all over Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's just like real upset about this. And Moses is seeing amazing miracles happen. You know, he takes his staff and throws it down, and it turns into a snake, and it's like what? You know, just some really cool stuff. And then all the people start to leave. There's this mass exodus, right? That's where we get the the name Exodus from, the book that we read. And so it's this mass exodus of potentially up to millions of people, millions of Hebrew people that are leaving Egypt all at once. The Red Sea parts and they start to go through, okay? And then as the, the, the Egyptians start to chase after them, what happens? Boom, all that water comes down right on top of them and it swallows them up. That is an amazing, amazing miracle that happened. And then they start going through the desert and God tells them that, hey, there is going to be a land that I am going to give you. There is a promised land. It's gonna be amazing, right? You just gotta get there, okay? We just gotta get there. So what does Moses do? For for many, many years, Moses takes these people all throughout the land. They're going all over the place because they had kind of messed up. And so the Lord was like, I'm gonna take you like the detour route. You know what I mean? It's gonna take you a little longer to get there, okay? But you're gonna get there. And then right before they end up getting there, what happens? Moses dies. He's dead. It's like, why? Like I was right there, Lord. I seen all these amazing things. I was the one that brought all these people out in the first place. You spoke to me in the burning bush. You said that you were going to give us this land. You said this, you said this, you said this. And then Moses dies right before they get into the promised land. And I think so many of us in our culture we want to have the promise and we're very selfish right we think that everything that God speaks to us everything that he says it's all about me right it's all about me and my promise and my miracle that I need but many times God is not speaking to you for you he's speaking to you for someone else a parent always wants better for their kids right for my dad and my mom they're not here today they both had some medical stuff so they're watching online right now what's up mama what's up pops um, but they always have wanted better for me than they ever had and, and for my son Oakland I'm always going to want him to have a double portion right I, I want him to have multiple of what I had in my life the blessings that God has given me the favor that he's given me the resources that God has given me I want to be able to pass on an inheritance to my son and I want to give him well more than I was ever able to have I want to pray that over him I Always want the best for him. Many times, God gives us a promise that is a generational promise that will not be fulfilled in your lifetime. But are we okay with that? Because in our culture, we want everything now, right? It's like, I want my promise right now because it's for me. It's like, well, no, sometimes there's a promise that God might give you for a Joshua, which is what ends up happening. Joshua is the one that, that, that comes after Moses and is able to take the Israelites into the promised land. And Joshua was very, very blessed because of the groundwork that Moses laid. Sometimes the miracle might not be for you in your life. What kind of groundwork are you laying for your kids? What kind of promises has God given you that might actually not even be for you, but might be for one of your kids or might be for somebody else? And the problem is, is uh, what happens when you die and you've never seen the promise fulfilled? How many of you prayed for something or you know somebody that was a prayer warrior? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Like, like the 80 year old ladies that they be praying every single day, they literally have a prayer closet that is labeled prayer closet. Like they put a sticky note, like don't come in, I'm praying, you know, they go in there and they pray all the time and they're crying out to God, maybe for a son or for a daughter that doesn't know Jesus, you know, and they're just interceding for these people. They're praying every single day. They're getting on their knees in prayer and then they die and that son or daughter never found Jesus. That seems like it's over, right? That seems like it's so upsetting, but you know what? Maybe the promise had not yet been fulfilled in five, 10, 15 years, maybe at the memorial service for the grandma. That kid is finally gonna come and say, You know what? I feel God's love. I understand that God loves me, and he accepts Jesus right then and there. Yet that person never saw the fulfillment of the promise, but yet she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and stayed faithful until the promise came to pass after she was even gone. Sometimes the miracle is not for you. What can that look like in your life? So sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the miracle is not for you, it's for somebody else. And sometimes the answer is just no. This is the hard one, okay? Nobody likes to be told no. Does anybody here like to be told no? That's what I thought, okay? Like, no one enjoys that, all right? No one likes to be told that. Um, And when I think of God telling somebody no, I think of John the Baptist. And it wasn't necessarily that God told him no specifically, but you can kind of infer a few things here. So John the Baptist was an amazing dude. We've talked about him a couple times uh, in, in church here. He was the one that foretold Jesus is coming. He said, hey, the Messiah is coming. He is going to be here soon. And then he ends up seeing Jesus, okay? And he's actually his cousin, which is really cool. He sees Jesus coming, and he knows that he's a Messiah. And then he says, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus is like, nah, man, like, you got to baptize me. And John's like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not worthy of this, but okay. And so he baptizes Jesus. And then it says the windows of heaven are opened up, and the God of the Father says, this is my son, and who I am well pleased. It's just like this amazing experience. John the Baptist gave his entire life to serve God. His entire life. It says he he wore like nasty old clothes and walked around and was eating locusts and honey. Like he's kind of a weird dude to be honest, okay? He's kind of an odd individual. But he gave his entire life to serving God. And and his one goal was just to point people to Jesus. My whole life is to point people to Jesus, to point people to Jesus. And then he ends up getting thrown in prison, It's like, come on, man. Like, I've done everything right. He gets thrown in prison. Why? Well, Herod was kind of the Jewish ruler at the time. And Herod was not a good dude, okay? He was supposed to be a good dude. He's supposed to be a believer, right? He's supposed to be a God-fearing man. Not so much, okay? And so he ends up marrying his brother's wife, and, and and basically John the Baptist was calling him out for that. He said, hey, listen, you're not supposed to be married to this lady. You're not supposed to be doing this. This is not what God has for you. And he was kind of publicly chastising him. And, you know, as a ruler of anything, you're not gonna be too fond of somebody coming up to you in front of other people and being like, hey, you shouldn't be married to this lady because you know that you're sinning against God. You know, he was not... Not a huge fan of that, especially the wife was not a huge fan of that. She ain't having it, okay? And so uh, her daughter ends up doing some dance at this house party they were throwing. Imagine like all these people. Let's say about the number of people that are here right now. Uh, let's say Herod's, you know, a, a stepdaughter is up here. She does some like crazy cool dance, and he's like, "Wow, that was amazing! That was incredible! You really entertained the guests. This is great. I would give you anything that you ask for, anything that you want. I will give that to you." And then she goes to her mama real quick, and she says, Mama, what you want me to ask for, okay? You know what I mean? And she comes back, and she says, I would like for you to give me the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. Because her mama and her did not like him at all for calling out her stepdaddy, okay? And he says, oh, gosh, what have I done? You know, like, he hasn't really done anything wrong, okay? Like, he was calling me out, and he's like, he's kind of right. And so... I guess I have to, though, because he's in front of all these people now, and he can't go back on his word. And so he says, all right, go for it. Like, you know, kill John the Baptist, bring his head in on a platter, just like she asked for because he didn't want to be embarrassed in front of all these people. So what happens? He does it. John the Baptist dies. He ain't done nothing wrong. He did not one thing wrong this entire time. His whole life has been about serving Jesus. Every single thing he's done, all the weird clothes and In serving God and pointing people to Jesus, he baptized Jesus himself, and yet he still died. You have to imagine when he was in prison, he probably had his disciples and people praying for him, right? Imagine the kind of prayers that were being prayed for John the Baptist with me, just for a second. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but you can kind of infer, right? Think about this. Like... God, I just pray that you would get John out of there. Lord, he's been so faithful to you. He's been, he's been an amazing instrument for you. God, would you, would you deliver him from his enemies, right? These kind of prayers that we would pray. Would you deliver John out of the hands of, of Herod? Would you get him out of there? And then they find out that he died. What about John himself? Maybe he was praying some prayers like that. God, I've been faithful to you. God, would you help me? Would you get me out of this situation? I, you know, Lord, I, I haven't done anything wrong. And, and Lord, I just want to serve you. I want to keep serving you. I want to do more for you. And so can you please help me? And then the guard comes in and, and what happens, happens. Sometimes God doesn't answer prayers like we would hope that he would. And all of the disciples kind of had a similar faith. They were all killed for their faith. Every single one of them these guys that walked with Jesus every single day that spread the gospel everywhere, all of them killed for their faith. How does that make any sense? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. And that's how we think of things in our minds is is how do we reconcile something that doesn't make sense? How do we reconcile something that doesn't seem fair? there was a girl that there was a little girl, her, her name was Olive and her her mom is a worship leader out of California and great worship leader. And she's about two years old. And one, one morning they just came in and found her and she had stopped breathing. Two years old, little girl. And immediately, obviously they, they started to pray and they did what they needed to do, but they, they started to pray and she posted and asked for people, hey, would you pray for our daughter? Because we do not believe that, she is, uh, that this is her time to die. We don't believe that this is it. We need to pray and ask for God to bring her back to life, to resurrect her from the dead because this, this is not it. This is not her time to go. They had thousands and thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people praying for this little girl. Just It was all over Instagram and Facebook. People sharing, people praying, good God-fearing people praying for this little girl to be raised back to life. And this little two-year-old girl that had died, it's like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem fair. And after seven days, they finally decided that they were going to start planning a memorial service for her. And it didn't happen. She was not raised back to life. Hundreds of thousands of people, good people, god-fearing people praying for this little girl. Why? Why did it not happen? That's a big question that we ask ourselves. Why God, did it not happen for me? Why did this happen in my life? Why did this person have to die? Why did this job not come through the way that I thought it was going to? Why did I have to go through that horrible divorce, God? Why won't my kids talk to me anymore? Why am I still struggling with the same sin over and over and over again? God, would you deliver me? God, all these things that we pray and all these things that we think to ourselves, whatever that is for you, what do you do when the miracle doesn't come? The first thing I wanna encourage you with today is that it's okay to grieve. It's okay. God is not offended by your sadness. He's not offended when you're upset, when something doesn't go the way that you thought it should. When it doesn't happen, it's okay. Many people will beat themselves up because they think, well, if I had just had a little more faith, maybe this would have happened maybe they wouldn't have died or maybe this would have turned out differently. If I would have just had a little more faith and they beat yourselves up, you turn inward and it's all the shame and guilt and condemnation. Can I tell you today that that is a lie straight from the enemy saying that you didn't have enough faith, that you did something wrong for why this didn't turn out the way that it should. No, no, that is not what God is saying over you at all. That is the lies of the enemy and you have to be able to understand when Satan is trying to speak that shame over you. Don't speak that over yourself. Don't speak that. The Psalms are full of sad verses. Look through it. Look at Lamentations. Look at the Psalms. This is what David says. Have you abandoned me, Lord? Have you forgotten me? These are things that he said. When will my pain end? When will this be over? God, where are you? So many verses all throughout scripture of people grieving and being upset. And David is saying all these things and honestly, they're not really like theologically accurate, okay? Because we know that God never leaves us, right? He's always there with us. And yet, David is feeling this pain, and he's feeling these emotions, and he's saying, he's just being honest, he said, "God, where are you in this place?" In a, to, just for me, if I'm being real, I'd rather pray an honest prayer than a perfect prayer, right? I'd rather be honest with God. Maybe I'm not saying the right things, God. And sometimes I even pray when in my personal prayer time, I'll be asking for something. I'm like, God, maybe this is maybe I'm asking for the wrong thing here, but but this is what I feel like I want or this is how I feel in this moment right now. So this is how I'm gonna pray. I'd rather pray an honest prayer than a perfect prayer. Some of you today need to stop worrying about the prayers that you're praying and having them be perfect and sound right and sound good and sound Christian-y and all that stuff. Listen, just be honest with where you're at. If you're sad, if you're disappointed, maybe because you feel like God didn't come through, you can tell him that. You can tell him, that's okay. He's not gonna be offended by that. In fact, I feel like he appreciates it more than anything else. Because that's what a relationship is, right? If you're not able to be honest and to have those conversations, that's not a real relationship. If you're having to walk on eggshells around somebody because you feel like you can't be vulnerable with them and talk to them, no, be vulnerable with God because he'll help you right through it. I promise he's right there by your side and he wants to have that conversation with you. So some of y'all need to start praying some honest prayers in here today. If you've been disappointed by God, you feel like he's let you down. But the next thing, what do we do when the miracle doesn't come? Number one is grieve. Number two is don't let your theology be affected by your experience. Don't let your theology be ex- affected by your experience. Will you still serve God even when you don't get the answer that you wanted? Is God still good when your life seems bad? It's very tempting to allow our experiences to define who God is, right? We have experiences in our lives. All of us have different experiences. and That kind of is what makes up who we are and how we think about things and how we think about the world. Our worldview is made up of all the different things, our parents, our family, the school we went to, the community we were raised in, the college we went to, all of the people we've met, met, the TV ads we've seen, the shows we've watched, all of that defines how we think about things. But can I tell you today that there is a book and if you will just go to it, it will tell you exactly who your God is, all right? You don't need to let your experiences and your failures and your disappointments, define who God is because God is still good and he still cares for you even in the middle of the disappointment. Even when you feel like he didn't show up for you, I promise you he's still good. You can't let your experiences define who God is. We have to let God define our experiences. What does that mean? What do we do? Number three is we just have to remember that God can turn everything to good. We have to look to scripture, right? And that's what scripture says, is that God can take every bad situation that you have ever been in and he can turn that thing around, he can flip that thing around and make it into good. Doesn't make sense, right? Well, that's how God is. Many times God doesn't make sense. Life doesn't seem fair, but God flips that thing around and when something seems bad, he can flip that thing around to good. We have to look to scripture to define who God is first. So this is the kind of prayer that that I would pray. This is the kind of prayer that I think that we all should pray. Maybe if you've gone through something like this before, just be honest. You might be sitting; something horrible just happened, and you say, "God, I don't understand. I don't know. Sit. Why did this happen? God, I don't know. I don't know where you're at right now. Like, have they, you just forgot about me? Like, are my prayers not coming through? I feel like they're just bouncing off the ceiling." slapping me in the face like why what are you doing God like I thought you were just going to come I had faith I, I had faith I prayed to you over and over and over again we had like 30 40 people praying for this person that was sick you know that they, they've served God their whole life and I've been praying for them for years and and, they, and they, they died I don't understand God like why did this happen I don't get it I'm frustrated Lord where are you right now but God I know that you can turn everything around to good I know you can because I know that's what your word says. I know that the word says that, that I can rejoice in the, in the hard times and in the trials and in the tribulations because it's going to test my faith and it's going to produce some perseverance in me. So God, even though I'm frustrated and I feel like you've been gone this whole time, God, I thank you that I'm going through this hard time right now. I thank you, God, because I know that you're going to build my faith through this. I know that you're going to help me to see that you're still good, that you still care for me, that you still love me, God. But honestly, right now I'm hurting and I need your help. That's an honest prayer. You ever prayed a prayer like that before? If not, if you're going through something, maybe you need to pray a prayer that sounds something like that today. To be honest with God where you're at. Cry out to him. Give him your emotions. Give him all that stuff that you've been holding on to, Give him your burdens. Make room for God to do something today, just as we were talking about, we were singing about. Make room. Take your hands off of it so that God can put his hands on it. Would you stand with me today? The last thing I want to remind you to do is to keep praying. I know it sounds kind of backwards we talked about this last week. Like, I thought we talked about persistent prayer last week. We did. Keep praying. Why? Because a not yet now could be a yes tomorrow. And a no to one thing could just be a no to this thing, but it could be a yes to something else that's much better. Maybe there's a no that just hurts and it's just a solid no and you're just like, I don't understand. Keep praying anyway keep speaking scripture over yourself, right? Keep praying scripture. Keep looking to God and pray to him and be honest with him. Keep praying because not yet now could be a yes tomorrow. There is... We we talked about this 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 property stuff, okay, the last few weeks. It's kind of what sparked this whole series, the Radical Faith series, that there was a property, and, and I felt like the Lord told me there was an altar there, and I was supposed to pray about this. And and then the persistent prayer message from last week kind of came out of a place of me being like, okay, am I going to keep praying for this thing, or am I just going to like let myself kind of get a little discouraged because it's not happening? I haven't seen the miracle yet. So we talked about microwave prayers, okay, and then some crockpot prayers. We're going to have some crockpot prayers that, that just that go overnight right you got that roast uh, in, in the oven you got the roast in the crock pot on saturday night and when you get to uh, after church on sunday morning you get back home and that thing is just juicy and tender and good right those are the kind of prayers that we need to pray we talked about that last week but i want to encourage us to keep keep praying why my pastor invited me to go to this conference on monday and tuesday he told me on sunday okay and my pastor's in oklahoma oklahoma city where we were for five years he was there uh and so we, i was on the phone with him on sunday he said, Hey, I think you need to come to this conference. And I said, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. When is it? He said, tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, "Where is it?" like, he's like, Oklahoma city. I'm like I really don't want to, but okay, I guess like he's my pastor. And so, you know, I just, I listened to him and he felt like I needed to, he felt like the Lord was telling him that I was supposed to go. And so, all right, sure. So I packed up my family and dropped them off in Fort Worth with her family. And I just kept driving and, uh, I had finished this this part of this book, The Circle Maker. Did I tell you all about The Circle Maker last week? I did, right? Okay, okay. And so I had finished the part of the book where, you know, he prays over the property, and it's amazing, and they get the property, woo And so I had kind of, like, stopped reading the book, because I was like, this is kind of getting a little boring, to be honest. Sorry, Mark Batterson. <laughs> but, uh... But uh, I had stopped reading the book and I felt the Lord very strongly tell me I was going to listen to another podcast or some music and I felt the Lord tell me, you need to finish this book. And I'm like, I don't want to. It's, it's getting a little dull. And so I was like, all right, fine. So I started listening to this book again, the audio book as I'm driving. And immediately I felt the Holy Spirit just come over me. I'm like, what is going on? The same feeling I got when I was at the property, standing out there, you know, praying, you know, crazy over this property and all this stuff. I had that same feeling. So I started praying again, and I'm just like, Lord, what is going on? Y'all, I I was getting after it in my car. I was like, I'm about to have to pull over, you know what I'm saying? And after about two minutes of that, I felt like, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you speaking? And, And the whole time I was praying and listening to this book, it was a chapter about dreaming big. Mark Batterson was saying, you need to dream big dreams. Pray big prayers. Dream big dreams. Why? Because God can come through. God is not offended at your big dreams. He's not offended by your big prayers. In fact, he's honored by them because you're believing and you're praying those big things, speaking it out because you believe that he can actually do it you have enough faith to say it. So dream big, dream big. He was saying this over and over and over again. And then as I was praying and just like going through this book, after about two, three minutes, I look up on the left side of the highway. There's a massive black billboard and all it has on it is two words in white, dream big. I'm lying, I'm dying guys, seriously. Dream big. And God encouraged me in that moment. He said, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Believe that I can do what I said I would do. Whether it's this property or not, I'm just believing that God has something amazing for our church. He has something amazing for us as a family. I believe that he is taking us into a new season. And so I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm going to keep praying, even if it doesn't happen now. Even if it doesn't happen six months from now, a year from now, I'm going to keep praying because a not yet could be a yes at some point. So I want to encourage you to keep praying. Keep praying today in this place. Come on. And dream big. Dream big. Because God can do immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. That's Bible right there. Come on, somebody. So I just want to pray for you today. And if there's anybody in this place that needs to, to give up some stuff, that needs to um that maybe has some disappointment about not hearing from God or maybe God didn't come through and you've been disappointed, you've been hurt by God, you've been hurt by church whatever it might be or, or you're praying for something that hasn't come to pass yet and you're just saying hey I want to keep praying for this thing because I feel like it might be a not yet but but I want to keep praying through this thing and just believing that God can do what he, what he can do. Uh, if that's you, any one of those things, if anything in this message today has really touched your heart and you just want to have me pray with you and believe with you for big things, would you just raise your hand? Come on, if that's you Amen. Amen. Come on. I see you. 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 Come on. All right. We're going to pray right now. We're going to end this service together. And I know it's been kind of a heavy message today. It's a little bit different than I'm normally very, you know, encouraging and lighthearted and make jokes and stuff or whatever. But today I really felt this heaviness and this weight because I felt like there was a lot of people in here today that have just been disappointed by some things. Disappointed by maybe how they feel like God has come through. But listen, let me just encourage you. God, he still loves you. And he still cares for you. And he's here for you. Okay? And he will walk right through that disappointment and that grief with you, okay? Let's pray this thing away right now in the name of Jesus that God, right now, we come to you. We say thank you that you're here in this place, that you're with us. That even in the hard times when we... When we feel like you're not there, when we feel like that you're, that you're not coming through for us, when something happens, somebody dies, or, or, or the job doesn't come through, or the marriage falls apart, whatever it might be, whatever somebody's dealing with in this place today, Holy Spirit, they know what it is, and you know what it is. So God, right now, I pray if there's anybody that's disappointed in this place, that you would bring them hope today, God, in the name of Jesus. We speak joy. We speak hope over these people right now in the name of Jesus that need it. God, would you just lift up your presence. Lift up their countenance today, God, as they seek after you and as they pray to you. Father, for those people in here today that feel like, God, I didn't have enough faith for this. I didn't have enough faith for this to happen, Lord, but you break off the lies of the enemy over them in the name of Jesus right now. We break that in the name of Jesus. We say, no, we are not going to live under the curse of an enemy, but we are going to live under the freedom of our Father who loves us and gives us good gifts even when we don't understand the outcome, even when we don't understand why the things that happen in our lives happen. God, we know that you are still good in this place today, that you still have a plan, that you still love us, and God, we're gonna rejoice right now in the heart. Hard times For those people that are going through something tough right now, Father, I pray that you would help them to learn how to rejoice in the hard seasons. Rejoice in the middle of the storm, because that's going to produce persevering faith for them. That's going to produce a radical faith that we've been talking about for the last three weeks. So God, I pray that you would just give peace and comfort where there needs to be peace and comfort. And God, I pray you would help us to keep praying. Because we know a not yet could be a yes later. And we are going to dream big for our lives. We're going to dream big for our families. We're going to have big faith to believe that you can do what you said that you would do. To believe that the promises of God are strong enough to be stood on forever, God. Because we know that you are faithful. We know that you are good. We know that you love us and you care for us. So God, bring peace, bring healing, bring life and freedom and joy over this house. And Lord, we thank you for where you're taking us as a church where you're taking these people and their families, where you're taking them as an individual, God, would you do something in our lives today? Would you teach us something new? We thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. Have you been blessed today? I hope that you have.